This is Blaine Scully. Welcome to the Captain's Code. Each week, we talk with the leaders of high-performance teams about the role they play in making a culture of excellence possible. Stephen Webster has spent the past 20 years at the forefront of the fusion of technology and design, having held a variety of leadership roles at Adobe and Microsoft. A fourth degree black belt, Stephen is also one of the most successful sport coaches in British university history. He captained and then coached Edinburgh University Karate Club to 10 consecutive championships. Moving to California in 2009 after the sale of his company to Adobe, he most recently left Microsoft in 2014 to combine his passion for sport coaching with his deep expertise in technology. He is now the CEO of Sensei, a disruptive sport technology company that brings together technologies such as smart apparel with integrated sensors, motion capture, and posture recognition with machine learning and data science and the creation of an artificial intelligence personal coach. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate um, you jumping on the podcast. So if, if you could just kind of share a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now. I'll talk about sport and I'll talk about tech. Because um, really those two threads have always run in parallel in my life. And now I've twined them together uh, for the company I started three or four years ago, Ascensi. Um, so in terms of sport, I grew up in the UK. I know you played in the UK. So I grew up playing a lot of football and hockey, played a little bit of rugby. You had to play rugby at my school. My sport has always been martial arts, judo, then jiu-jitsu, then karate. Um, and when I went to university to study, I studied at the University of Edinburgh. Uh, when I went there to study computer science and electronics, um, the more important decision I made was which sports club am I going to um, join and, and compete for. Uh, and so I joined the karate club, life-changing decision that I didn't realize at the time. Um, but I joined the karate club there, which I ended up uh, competing for, then captaining, then I was assistant coach. And then I was given a job that I felt I was given far too early. I didn't feel ready for it at the time. Uh, but I was asked by the university to step in and coach the club and coach the club for like 10, 12 years to 10 consecutive championships. So that's been a huge part of my life um, in parallel. Uh, you know, sport coaching at a university club doesn't pay very well, so I had to have a job. I was a chip designer, a hardware engineer, then I was a software engineer. Um, and then I, I really kind of bit the bug and started my own business. Reading some of the Sensei vision statement and trying to understand a little bit more about this sort of athlete-coach relationship, could yeah, you yeah. dig in and dive into that a little bit more? Uh, totally. I'd love to ask you about it as well. I always turn this question on people, and so I'm going to turn it on you right away. Like... Is there one coach in particular that you remember being the first person who kind of saw that potential in you and you were like, they've just told me I could be good at this? As an athlete, I, I fundamentally feel that I'm the accumulation of the investment of really, really coach, good coaches right. and, and people who spend a lot of time and energy and helping me grow and develop not, as a, not only as an athlete but as a person. So I feel very, very much that you know, as an athlete, um, the relationship you have with your coach and the collaboration and, and shared reciprocity of, of that relationship is, is what makes it most powerful. Right. Couldn't agree more. And I just love hearing these stories. And I was in New York on business, I think. Um, but I happened to just put out a, you know, put out a post on Facebook. Hey, I'm in New York if anyone's around. And a couple of my students, my former students, one who'd been living in Hong Kong and one who was living in London 
we kind of got together. Like we were all randomly in New York and we got together for drinks. And there's a few similar moments since where all of these students that I'd coach look back on their time in the karate club at Edinburgh University is probably more formative than the degree they went there to study, you know, the things they learned uh, playing for a team and, you know, playing a sport. The opportunity for a coach to have an impact, like uh, a phrase I often use in a sense is unlocking someone's athletic potential is just a step towards unlocking their human potential. And so we really celebrate that relationship between the coach and the athlete in an, in an, in an age where so many tech companies are like, we can replace coaches with AI or like, you know, AI can do this or machine learning can do this. We have a very different view. We're like, how can we scale the ability of the coach to reach people and teach more people? I mean, we called the company Asensi and it's a little bit of a, a nod to not just sensors as being a core technology, but also a nod to the word Sensi from our martial arts background. But people always think of the word Sensi as being very honorific, like teacher or master or grandmaster. And it's not, it's two characters. Um, one which means a person and one which means before. So the fundamental idea of a sense is that someone who's been on that journey that you're on just before you. That's how I think about the coach-athlete relationship is how can I find people who are just a little bit further down? And this goes for not just sport, but for business, for life. How can I just find someone that's a little bit further down the journey that, that I want to try and embark on and have them pull me along it for a little while? That's why we're really motivated by how do we scale that? What happens if we could scale that and make that something everybody has access to, uh, not just the fortunate few. How did you develop that coaching philosophy that kind of threads through a sensei? When I started coaching, you know, like I alluded to earlier, um, the club was on the brink of folding. Um, we hadn't competed in tournaments for, for some years. And the university came to me and said, either we close the club or we inject some life into the club. Would you take it on? And I took the club on about two weeks from the national championships. And we hadn't competed for years. And I took the whole club. I entered us. And I remember having to call for a late entry. And I entered us in all the categories. It was pretty humiliating. We, uh, you know, most of the, you know, most of the team, went out in their first round. I remember two guys medaled, a guy from the Shetland Islands north of Scotland and a guy from Manchester. And I'm pretty confident everything they learned about fighting. They learned in the Shetland Islands in Manchester and uh, not in the karate club. But we came back from that tournament and I said to the club, we're going to go back and win next year. Like We're going to win the whole event, which is basically meddling in all the categories. We won one year, then we said, let's win three in a row. And then we said, let's win ten in a row and we did that taught me a lot about how you build teams because that wasn't you know 10 years later it was a completely different crop of students so that taught me a lot about how do you take brand new talent or not even brand new talent i think the word talent's unfair just people who are brand new to the sport and develop that talent so they can kind of follow in the legacy of the people that went before them and uh uh, that's where I applied so many of the principles that i was learning and coaching to business and business to coaching so what, what did you build it on as far as the values of the of the karate club yeah so i remember going into the first national championships thinking okay i've said we're going to win this but okay how <laughs> um and I, I remember just reading a story about famous uh, sort of karate instructor who when he was young in the all japan championships he broke his arm and his mom talked him into competing anyway and he basically competed with one arm and famously won the All Japan National Championships with one technique, uh, the reverse punch, the sort of backhand punch. And so I had this kind of pretty unorthodox idea, which is a theme that runs through a lot of what I do. 
Uh, I had this unorthodox idea of like, I'm only going to allow the club to use one technique for the whole year in sport karate. So anytime we practice sport karate, we're going to copy Kanazawa Sensei. We're just going to use a reverse punch. We decided to get really good at doing one thing well. And so what I instead spent time focusing on is like, what are all the things that you need to learn in order to be able to score a technique? How do you learn about distance? How do you learn about timing? How do you learn about the strategy of a two-point match versus a four-point match? Etc. Etc. And so by the time we showed up at the tournament, I had the best club in the world at throwing one technique, and uh, it might have been boring for everyone else to watch, but we just like smashed the tournament. And two or three years later, that's what other clubs started doing. All their beginners would just come in with that one technique, and I can't tell you how many times that's translated to um, products I've built or companies I've built, where it's like we have to really hone in on like what's that one thing we're going to do well. And what's everything else you need around it, whether it's sales, marketing, engineering, um, you know, what's that, what's everything else we need to put around that one idea so that we can execute on it rather than having lots of ideas and, and kind of executing on none of it. If you can find one thing that is your thing right. and you can kind of always come back to it as a touch point, right. we commit to each other that we're going to commit to this right. and we're going to be as good as we can be at this. Right. You know, I think a lot of teams hopefully can find success that way. Right. No. At least they know what they're, they're looking at. Right, yeah. or, or aiming for. And it's funny, you know, people would be like, but if everybody knows all we're going to do is just this one technique, then people will learn how to beat us. It's like, it doesn't work like that. You know, it's like, there's so much more than, you know, you're, you still have to stop it. Yeah you, yeah, you still have to stop it and you still have to see it coming and like it just allowed us to coach, you know, yeah. coach so much. So, uh, so yeah, that club had a huge um, kind of cross-pollination on how I think about building teams as well. I think it's interesting to think about, you know, how you build your teams. Obviously, you have a philosophy that's kind of informed how you're looking at a sensei. But then also, you know, that's the relationship between coaches and athletes. How you can kind of empower that exchange. But then also, on the business side, thinking about your professional team yeah, yeah. as an organization. So it's, it's an interesting um, thing where you're doing it in real life, but then also right. trying to build it to empower people outside the organization and right. incorporating that technology in, into what they're doing. One of the, uh, our very first, uh, we just did a fundraise back in August, our first like proper institutional fundraise. And at the board meeting, we gave all the board a copy of a book that uh, my co-founder, Bill and I, and Bill was one of the, that, that group of coaches who I, that's how I knew him. I knew him as a coach before I knew him as an entrepreneur technologist. And Bill put me onto this book. And I'm sure you know of Sir Clive Woodward, um, the former, uh, you know, England rugby coach and, uh, Team Great Britain. And he has a phenomenal book that's had a huge impact on both Bill and I, actually, called Winning. I don't know if you know the book. I should have brought a copy if you didn't. Um, but I give that book away a lot. And, you know, Sir Clive talks about very much his philosophies of building businesses teamship. Uh, and teamship and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I could, uh, I could definitely talk about those philosophies and how I've borrowed them and how I've used them um, a great deal. He's been someone that we've really... Uh, and, and other coaches in Team Great Britain, like... So David Brailsford and the and the, the British cycling team and the idea of you know performance being the aggregation of marginal gains, just all these ideas that swirl around on how you build high performance teams and how you build high performance athletes. It seems that way because reading through the vision statement, you, there's there's quite a bit of cross pollination between right. a lot of sports and a lot of resources, whether it's like Circle Woodward and. Um, like you said, the marginal gains and Team GB and all, yeah. all that kind of. I mean, it was really interesting, kind of reading through that and, and 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 can you kind of get to some of these core concepts of a sensei like connected coaching? Could you 
Could you explain that a little bit more and like how, sure. how that works? Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I mean, in tech, you know, there's a lot of uh, what I would call connected fitness. I think in fairness to Under Armour, I think they coined the phrase connected fitness. And that was us putting sensors in shirts and shoes. Um, you know, I think Nike probably get credit for the Nike Plus, the, the sensor in your shoe that would track your runs. And um, so lots of focus on tracking. I look at companies like Peloton who have just filed for IPO and, raised a billion and worth four or eight or whatever the, the market's going to decide. So there's huge life left in this category of just how can we make fitness digital and make it more fun. Um, but I really care about coaching and, you know, teaching isn't tracking, counting isn't coaching. And so I think there's an opportunity for us to be very distinct and very deliberate in how we think about coaching. Uh, and it's interesting because the way my team and I thought about what does connected coaching look like? Like, how do I actually take you in a sport you've never played before? Like, if I want to teach you to roll or I want to get you down in that performance rack down there and get you doing a power clean cor- you know, correctly, I'm sure you can power clean correctly, but I want to get you down there and, and teach you. It's about skill acquisition. It's about periodization of training. It's about um, progressions and regressions. It's not just about how many reps did you, did, did you do and, and what way was it. And so when we think about um, what does it mean to truly coach some, someone, it revealed to us a lot of the technologies that we need to invent or adopt or adapt. If you really want to coach an athlete, the skills and the techniques of a sport, you have to be able to look at them like a coach looks at them. You know, so I'll often say you need to be able to see what a coach sees, say what a coach says, and teach how a coach teaches. And seeing what a coach sees, like we, we, we just realized we need to focus on motion capture. If we can't capture your biomechanic performance. How can I watch you do a, a power clean and tell you that your your shins aren't vertical on the first part of the you know lifting the bar? Or how can I watch you rowing and telling you tell you you're leaning back too much at the end of the stroke or your elbows are sticking out? So yeah, biomechanics and motion capture and making that part of regular sports apparel. That's been three of the last four years. Even we live in this world of big data and and um, and everyone's collecting in and been about professional international athlete for a long time so i've had a lot of data collected about me and and the data is an interesting thing right so it's i mean it's sometimes it's cool to look at but i guess it goes back to what's what's the purpose right so how is it actionable that that is what gives the data meaning or else you're just collecting things to either show people for fun or Right. Yeah, it's got to be for a reason, right? We often get asked that. So that's a, you know, to, to philosophies and principles, that's a big thing for us is, uh, what are the insights we can deliver? You know, uh, to me, the best imaginable experience isn't that I give you some great charts and graphs and, you know, IBM Watson prediction of, you know, I just need to be able to look at you and be like, you know, straighten your back leg a little earlier. And that's it. That unlocks something that you, you know, you weren't able to do. It unlocks power or speed or, you know, form or whatever. And so for us, it's all about getting to the insights under the data. And, um, you know, when I talked about see what a coach sees and say what a coach says, um, you know, one day I'm going to do this TV advert. I keep telling people I'm going to do this. But can you just imagine a kid standing on a baseball mound swinging a bat and the coach is, um, I want your hip going at such and such radians per second, and I want the back coming down at this degrees angle. And like, that's not how a coach speaks to, to an athlete. And um, I just look at all that data that we we take off our devices. And as a coach, I never needed to know your your muscle symmetry and your quads, or I, ne- I never needed to know the 
um, you know, I played a lot of golf as a kid. To this day, I don't know the, the, the degrees of the club face, like on this angle away from the ball. And neither did the coaches that were coaching me. So I think we need to be careful that we're not just uh, speaking to the athlete in the language of the sensors that we're using, as opposed to taking the responsibility to look at that data and say, how do I use that to actually coach the athlete to be better at what they're trying to do? How does a sensei incorporate um, the different data points, um, capture what's meaningful, infuse the coaching technology, and hopefully at the end of the day provide a really valuable exchange to, to empower the athlete to grow? Right? No, totally. So, you know, like I said, like our biggest focus is on biomechanics. Like, are you moving correctly? Um, and so the sports we care about are sports where posture, technique, form, are real contributors. So taking something like rugby, for instance, there's so much else going on in the game of rugby. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a little too dynamic. It's about team dynamic. It's like what's happening to the ball. You're reading, you're reading a field that's, you know, uh, 20 feet in front of you. So maybe not the best place, but in a strength and conditioning room where you're, you know, learning to lift, maybe different. Um, so the way we work is, um, we work with coaches, we work with athletes. And we capture examples of good. So basically somebody is wearing our apparel that's infused with our sensors and we capture their performance. And then we can just sit down and basically watch tape. We can watch tape with a coach and say, what's good about this technique? What are the common mistakes that you might see? If you see those mistakes, are there, you know, cues that you would use? Are there drills that you would teach? How'd you break the skill down and put it back together again? So we basically atomize all the coach's knowledge about coaching. And then once we've got that essentially in a digital content uh, system, when we're watching someone who's, you know, whether they're a beginner or intermediate, when we're watching someone practice as they're wearing our apparel, it almost tells us where they are. It's like, oh, we just saw that movement pattern that the coach told us. If, if you see that, say this. Or if you see this incorrect movement pattern, um, this is an interesting drill that you can use to break that part of the technique down and put it back together again. So the, the, the sort of the last thing we're taking is essentially a teaching syllabus. And once we've got a teaching syllabus, we can progress an athlete, a student. We can progress them through that teaching syllabus by actually watching their practice, by watching their performance, and watching the correctness of their practice and performance. Is that through video, or is that through the no. the, the, the actual capture from the apparel? You know, the, the apparel is like yeah, uh, we've okay. got a constellation of and you sensors. Get like a signature We're basically getting a skeleton. We're capturing yeah. a skeleton. So the same technology that if you've seen like Andy Circus, you know, yeah, yeah. for King Kong, and he's covered in all these dots, and there's cameras. Uh, filming them for motion capture. That's, that's, that's vision, that's computer vision based motion capture. The other kind of motion capture is where you have sensors on your body that are tracking the orientation of that part of the body they're connected to. And so that's what we're doing. We've basically developed sensors that can be miniaturized, embedded straight into sports apparel. Um, and you just pull on a regular, like a, it looks like a regular piece of compression gear, compression shirt, uh, compression pants, and, uh, but when you're wearing it, we know literally hundreds of times a second uh, the, the position your skeleton's in. We see all those freeze frames of your skeleton, if you like. Very cool. And then you're able to feed that back real time. Because I, I imagine real time, you're practicing and you're yeah, getting that cue yeah. in your ear. Which yeah. I guess is the, why coaching becomes so important is because you capture the data. Then to your commercial example, how do you put that in a relatable way that I actually can understand as an athlete um, in yeah. real time and yeah, then make yeah, yeah. the adjustments that I need and to. And you'll know, like, watching a tape back of yourself playing two hours ago with a coach pointing out a mistake, 
is a little bit of an intellectual and academic exercise, but your body doesn't feel the mistake in that moment. It's hard to remember that for the next time. Whereas when a coach is literally on you and can make an adjustment and, you know, a lot of cueing is actually cueing the correct movement. It's like, that's right, you're doing that correctly. Can you feel how your weight is solid in the, you know, the soles of your feet? That's the movement you're looking for. So we're not just able in real time to feed you corrections. We're in real time able to anchor good movement, which I think is often as, uh, as important, if not more important than anchoring incorrect movement. So yeah, it's real time audio feedback. Yeah. How does, how does that kind of take in? A step back and maybe looking at the future. How, do, how does this kind of evolve and change and, and where do you see the growth um, and evolution of the incorporation of the technology and how it kind of changes how someone like me goes about his day as a professional athlete? Professional athletes are very fortunate that, you know, as a professional athlete, you have access to coaching staff and you have access to incredible facilities. Um, we're more thinking about how can we democratize that experience that, um, you know, how can we democratize access to world-class coaching? I really live in a future where we get to train, um, we're the protagonist in our own story. You know, I love watching, I don't know if you watch shows like, um, what's it called on Amazon Prime, All or Nothing, where you can follow the All Blacks or follow Manchester City. Like, I want to put you as the protagonist in that story. I want you to feel like you're part of that team. So when you're, opening your app on your phone or your assistant, your digital assistant is telling you we're training today, it's strength training today. You feel like you're part of it because the rest of the team is going training today and so are you. And so we really think a lot about how we can bring storytelling into sport coaching so that you're sort of inspired in your practice and you feel connected to the, you know, you feel connected to the larger whole of what you're doing. Do you see a part of of your guys' growth connecting with you know, kind of elite world-class coaching and then exactly your point, making that more accessible. And I see what you mean. To, yeah. No, absolutely. We go after sport by sport. You know, we're, we're on a sport. You know, a market to us is a sport. We started the company in rowing, not because any of us rowed, but for a whole bunch of business reasons, it looked like a good sport to, to start with. And yeah, in rowing, we're working with the, the equipment manufacturers in the sport. We've got some of the best, you know, former, present, potentially future Olympic athletes in the sport. As coaches uh, uh, in New Zealand, Eric Murray, one of the top Olympians of all time in the sport of rowing, with the sense that he can be your coach. Like you can literally sit down on a Concept Two rowing machine, and Eric Murray is the voice in your ear. He's prepping you for the practice. He's doing the workout with you, and real time as you're mis- you're making mistakes, you're hearing Eric in your ear correcting them. You know, if you if you go for a 1K personal best and you hit it, you hear Eric congratulating you on hitting it. If you miss that 1K personal best, Eric's in your ear and he's telling you about that time that he didn't qualify for a race, but how did he dig deep and how did he bring that to his practice so that he was better the next time? So, uh, yeah, we're, whether it's teams, individual athletes, governing bodies, um, you know, we're putting those voices in your ear and we're letting you train as part of, you know, as, as part of that environment. And that goes back to the sort of the core philosophy which are the connecting coaching the marginal the concept of marginal gains right well marginal gains is a great one because like the marginal gains are you know and i, I prefer the critical non-essential you know the, the terminology that sir clive woodward uses but there are those little things that are kind of hard to see and this is where i think the fusion of of, of tech and sensors becomes interesting is on an individual gain, you know, what Essentia is essentially doing is looking at your performance. Cause we can also connect to fitness equipment. So in a 
case of rowing, we're looking at your posture and your technique as you're sitting on a, in a rowing machine, but we're also taking all that data off the erg. Like, is, does form lead to function? So if I tell you to, you know, um, you know, if I make some correction to your form, I should see that in the power curve. Um, so we're actually able to look at the data coming off the rowing machine and see that you're getting better, see that there's more power per stroke, see that your stroke length is more consistent, see that your split time is improving. Um, but what becomes really interesting is two things. First, we can look for those marginal gains. We can see the marginal gains in the data. That might be as nuanced as interesting. As soon as you rate above 32 strokes a minute, the power per stroke is dropping. Something is happening to your form at higher stroke rates. So let's laser in on that and let's shift our practice towards, um, you know, looking where's your form breaking down at a higher stroke rate. So the ability to look for those marginal gains and then just focus on fixing it and move on to the next one. That's something tech is very uh, well positioned to do. But then when you start looking at large populations of people as well, um, there's a lot of conventional wisdom in coaching that we can now start to check with actual data. Does it also capture biometric information as well? We can. We uh, Our own system, our own clothing, we haven't incorporated biometrics, but we can integrate with third-party heart rate center, heart rate sensors. Like your software would be able to incorporate all those different exactly. data points in like one? Exactly. A single view of the athlete. So our view is if that data is important in if it's useful to look at that data to make the athlete better, then we can ingest it and we can use it. Um, and you know, heart rate can be heart rate variability can be very interesting uh, for for recovery and load. So yeah, we can we can incorporate. It. What is your definition of leadership? As I answer that question, I'm not trying to imagine how I think I am when I'm a leader because I feel like I'm still every day I'm learning to be one. I'm more thinking about who are the people that I was led by. And I think the best leaders I've been led by were people who gave me the space to be me. I think there's a huge difference between management and leadership. I think that's something that people often don't understand. That as a manager, people report to you. They sort of, you delegate some of your work down to them so that you can do more. And that's not leadership. To me, leadership is much more about who are the people that others don't even realize how willingly they're following because they're bought into something bigger than the leader. The leader is tapped into to, to, to an ideal or a vision or something that's possible only when everybody comes together and has the ability to bring people together around that idea. And so I think the best leaders for me have always started with they had the audacity to have a point of view that was very contrary. And this might just be the leaders that I've followed, so I wouldn't take this as a... You know, I'm drawn to people who have a very contrary point of view, who sort of challenge conventional wisdom, um, and who are able to put together very diverse teams of people who individually couldn't accomplish that. But of course, you could only accomplish that together. To use the sensei and this idea of coaching as an example, I mean, you have people who coaches or organizational leaders specifically in sport you can write a training plan and and a practice plan but the execution of that and what empowers the athletes to get better is based on right coaching right, right? which right. is is the individual connection and relationship right. that the leader of the organization whatever role they are is able to identify what's going on specifically whether it's in the team context or the individual right. context right. have a have a specific exchange about that and then hopefully transform that athlete from the place they are now to the place they could be. You know? Totally. I, I totally agree with that. And then I just read, I guess there's this whole Apollo 11 documentary. JFK was touring NASA. 
Um, and he saw one of the janitors just sweeping, and he said, hey, what do you do? And he says, I'm putting a man on the moon. I just love that quote, or I love that story. That's like, even that person um, showing up to work every day as a janitor felt like his fingerprints were on that rocket that was going to the moon and felt a responsibility for putting three men there, I guess two on and one circling around. And so I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of to my point about leadership as well, is like, how can you make sure everybody feels connected to that kind of purpose? Any great leader, people are still talking about how impactful that person was, uh, you know, 10, 15 years later. And uh, I'm sure you're the same with some of your coaches, and I most certainly am with, with some of mine. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate the time yeah. and uh, all the best in the future. This week's takeaway is look at empowering athletes and coaches to perform at their highest levels. For Stephen, seeing both the short-term and the long-term impact that a coach can have on someone's life directed not only his coaching philosophy, but also informed how he built his company, a sensei. Focus on one strength and do that one thing to the best of your ability. In business, Stephen has focused his team on a core idea and then built services and support around that idea to make it not only possible, but also successful. Performance is the aggregation of marginal gains. By looking at the little things, you can identify opportunities for improvement, as well as barriers that might be standing in your way to increase performance. Data is important, but only once it's turned into insight. When data becomes actionable, then it has meaning. So understanding the insights under the data is key. And finally, give your employees a space to be the people they were born to become. Enable them to draw on their own strengths as they contribute to the whole instead of dictating their pathway.